From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. You know, you're dealing with a lot of what a restaurant experience or business is, is really just human interaction service-based, which is constantly something you have to like you can't just set it and expect it to just continue on and it gets constantly constantly needs attention for this episode recorded before the pandemic back when you could go into any old restaurant you wanted without thinking twice chloe and i visited last best brewing and distillery in calgary to chat with its co-owner brett ireland brett is an engineering grad from the u of a and the ceo of bear hill brewing a company that he and his two school friends started about 16 years ago Last Best is one of four breweries operated by Bear Hill. There are also locations in Jasper, Banff, and Edmonton. We talk with Brett about what it's like to work in the restaurant industry, how he went from engineering to brewing, and what it's like to run a business with your childhood friends. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish-Monics program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash ualbertaalumni. So what's your name and what's your job? So my name is Brett Ireland and I am the CEO with Bear Hill. We're a uh, group of brew pubs and uh, breweries and distilleries around the province. So, And we're at one right now in Calgary. Yeah, last best. Um, what's the story behind this one? Uh, so this was the uh, the fourth brewery for us. And uh, so I guess the story would be partly around the name, to be honest. I think that's probably one of the more interesting parts. Um, the opportunity itself I can speak to, too. But uh, we uh, we always wanted to be in Calgary after we started in Jasper and then opened up in Banff. And, um, you know, Calgary's a, a much more sophisticated market and, you know, urban market. And um, we looked and looked and looked for locations, finally found one we loved. And then, of course, we, you know, coming from Jasper Brewing and Banff Brewing, those are fairly obvious names for the communities that we're in. Um, it was a bit of a challenge trying to figure out what we wanted to call ourselves in Calgary, because, of course, Calgary Brewing is taken from some time ago. Um, and uh, it, we, we fell in love with some of the marketing that had been done at the turn of the century by the federal government to try and promote new settlers to this area. So kind of the, the agricultural corridor kind of between roughly Edmonton and, and Calgary. And it was, it was called the last best West campaign at the Laurier administration. And we love some of like the imagery around it. And, and it, we felt there was quite a parallel between the opportunity they were presenting and kind of how we saw the beer market and the distilling market at that time. So um, there's craft breweries all over the place now and you know and i think fair to say especially at that time going back about six years ago um much more concentrated in a lot of other parts of north america and uh alberta oddly enough was it, it is still this day of course one of the main suppliers of malt barley barley growing and then malting it here that goes all over the world and yet we had very 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 little brewing industry and distilling industry here so it was kind of a parallel between kind of one of the last best places that was kind of quote-unquote unsettled in terms of the the brewing distilling industry which we felt was a parallel to the, the story so that's that, where the name comes from that's really cool that's a nice connection both to the history to the place uh, to contemporary times as well um now i do i want to talk a little bit about um the microbrew scene sort of like in alberta and how it's exploded but i want to go back first um to talk about how you got into to this so what first of all what do you do um as you oversee this like what what's kind of a day-to-day -day like for you 
<laughs> it's funny. This is a true story. So I, I took my son to the dentist this morning. I took him over to get some pancakes afterwards, and we're sitting there eating. And he just asked me the question. He's like, "Dad, what do you do?" And I actually had to stop and think as to a, to a six-year-old, like, "What do you say to that?" And so, I mean, the truth is, uh, you know, most of my role is is communication and just, uh, you know kind of quarterbacking communication and um, relationship stuff. And, and, you know, I do lots of emails and meetings and phone calls and stuff. That's changed a lot since when we started the company 15 years ago. Um, you know, the typical small business, you wear every hat. And, you know, um, that's evolved over time as you get people that are, frankly, working around you that are better at what they do than you ever could be in their <laughs> role. So that's, you know, I think part of the, I guess, the progression of it. So, yeah, I mean, my role now, I'm, I'm, my, I'm the CEO, but, you know, that that's also within the context of myself and my two partners that started the company. And, you know, we're all really close friends. We grew up together, went to school together and everything else, but we're also very different people and different skill sets. And so my role is, you know, I, I like, I like numbers, engineering. I like, you know, I like process and, and being thorough and liking knowing how things work. And so I fit my role in kind of based on some of those things. Yeah, as you said, engineering, you have an engineering degree from U of A. Yeah, so I did mechanical. Um, in hindsight, I should have done chemical. That would have been more. Yeah, would have fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the truth is, like, I had never once, I don't think, during my time at U of A, was I sitting thinking that I would be in the brewery business. I mean, I, I, I always, every opportunity I got to take different um, electives and whatnot, I was trying to try to fill them with as much as I could with business related stuff because I was definitely interested in that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't think I'd be end up in the beer business. What did you, sure. what did you think you'd be doing? Um, I think, I mean, not to be overly specific, but I think I, I probably would have assumed then something in the energy sector of some, mm -hmm. you know, that's where, especially back then, um, that was certainly where the trajectory was for most people. So, yeah. And then when you graduated, I mean, I'm kind of curious about this trajectory from you graduating with an engineering degree and then how long is the gap between then and when you started doing this? So I would have graduated in the spring and then, um, we started working on the idea, um, I kind of, I grew up in Jasper, so I kind of, I went back to Jasper for one more quote unquote summer, just to have some fun. And, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, and that's where we'd met. And, um, so from, I guess, from the time I graduated in, in the spring to, uh, we incorporated and started, you know, started the company in December of that year. So it wasn't a huge gap. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely, there were some times in between where I was, you know, is this, you know, am I going to do this and what are my options and kind of debating those and, um, yeah, it just kind of came together. I guess I'd say relatively quickly. I wouldn't say at the time. I don't think it felt quick. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like, how did it come together? I don't think a lot of people graduate with an engineering degree and say, <laughs> you know what? Time to launch that brewery business. Time to get it going. <laughs> what, how did it come together? Um, well, I think like some of the main variables were growing up in Jasper, you've really getting up three paths. You, you know, you either work in the hospitality sector, restaurant, hotels, that kind of thing, uh, Parks Canada or the railroad. And so growing up, I'd spent a lot of time in restaurants and um, so had my friends and, you know, I was fairly immersed in it. I love the, to this day, it's one of my favorite parts about our business, the kind of organized chaos that comes with a restaurant at, at best case scenario. So, uh, and, and it, you know, on top of that too, you're both being in a national park and of course a tourist destination, but just also being in the hospitality industry. I always love that you're interacting with a customer that's spending their fun dollars versus, you know, if you're going to buy tires, it's maybe not your most exciting purchase, but when you're going to a restaurant or, you know, a brewery, that kind of thing, it's, it's more of an enjoyable experience. So you, you, the, the, the environment you're immersed in is a little bit more 
funner, I guess yeah. you could say, right? So, um, and the way it came together, I guess it was just, yeah, it was really, I remember Sock, we'd kind of, you know, the idea had been tossed around a little bit here and there. And part of it's just around, can you find the opportunity to actually put the puzzle pieces together? And there was a, a location that we'd kind of come across and then, you know, him kind of putting the idea front. I remember in front of me, I remember just when I had a beer with my dad and was like, um, you know, I've got this opportunity and or I can go get a quote unquote real job. I didn't have a direct opportunity or anything, but I remember him saying, I was expecting a bit more maybe of a conservative kind of response from him. Um, but he's like, well, what do you got to lose? Like you got student loans and yeah. 22 years old. Like what, what, what do you got to lose? Of course you should do it. So um, that was, I'll never forget that conversation. But yeah, we just, I mean, we got laughed at by some banks. I remember that. That was, that was, that was interesting. So like I'm straight out of school, right? So I'm like used to like plugging away in a computer and we built this giant business plan and, course i don't think there's any business that actually evolved based on exactly how they were out a business fund but um yeah we just kind of pulled some things together we had a lot of a lot of really 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 fortunate things like we had a lot of luck early on and throughout our history but there was a few things up front that were uh, pretty lucky i'm sure sometimes you make your own luck but um it, it, yeah for sure i mean you're in a position to i i don't know so much making it as much as just i think if you're if you're executing properly i think you're in a position to to capitalize on a lucky mm-hmm. a lot of lucky scenarios, but we had some pretty early luck that was, yeah, pretty lucky. <laughs> and it was you and, and two partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the what was it like the very first year? Oh my gosh, it was a challenge. Um, well, you've got all the gong show challenges that come with a new business, right? So, cash flow and wearing a million hats. Like I, so when we started the company, I was the head brewer, but I'd never brewed before. So we had a gentleman that taught us and someone speaking of one of the really fortunate things, it was, that was one of them. The, the gentleman we got introduced to is we kind of refer to him as the Wayne Gretzky of beer. He's was one of the best you can find in or at least Western North America, if not beyond. And so that was lucky. And so he taught us how to brew, but you know, as I'd be downstairs brewing and then between different parts of the process, ripping upstairs into the office and trying to get cash from the night before done and um, a lot of hats and, you know, just small business challenges, right? Like, um, so yeah, and, and Jasper is also a really cyclical market. It's evolved to a degree since then, but we're, you know, the, that town sees most of its visitors through the summer. It's got a good ski, like great ski hill and stuff, but the bulk of the visitors come through that community in the summer. And so you got to really, really what it boils down to is try and make what you can in the summer and then try not to lose too much in the winter is kind of really, that's the game. So how long was it after the first one opened that you guys decided to expand and what, what made that decision happen? Um, so we, yeah, we opened in Jasper in 2005 and then we opened up in Banff in, uh, the spring of 2010. So it was partly, I mean, after about year three, we started to get our ducks in a row and kind of iron out some of the kinks and started to just ever so slightly, you know, layer in some systems and some of that sort of base business things that, um, I guess sort of helped build a platform to grow. Um, and then on top of that, there was just, you know, Banff is a, very much of similar market to Jasper, but a very challenging one to get into. There's, um, there was a, a bit of a, a downturnish effect there based on the 08 crisis. And I think that was one of the factors that led to the, the location that we were able to um, take and, and then build a brewery in. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of all those factors. I mean, there was, I think, always an interest of getting into that market, but it was, it was a, as a matter of kind of timing and, and just the right opportunity. Hmm. 
And then since then, how many is it? How many of you open now? So after we did Banff, we um, we had an opportunity to open up in Fort McMurray. So we did that. Um, it was crazy for the first couple of years, like just absolute boom time and um, just lots of business. Yeah, like it was very yeah. The the, the volume was was crazy and um, it was also it was a challenging time to because of the you know economic scenario up there to build. It was a challenging environment from that perspective. Once we got open, things were great. But then with everything that's happened in the I guess the, some of the more macro factors and, you know, I think there's obviously we look back and there's things we could have done differently. We ended up closing that one last year. Um, and, uh, but, but and then, so after we opened Wood Buffalo up in Fort McMurray, we opened up, uh, Calgary, um, about two years after we opened Wood Buffalo in 2015. And, um, and then most recently we just opened up in Edmonton with Campio just, uh, found, finally found a location that we liked or loved, I should say, um, right downtown, right by the arena. So yeah, it was a long, long, hard to find a good location in Edmonton. In Edmonton. We looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. We did an episode a little while ago with Nate Box, who's an Edmonton restaurant yeah, guy. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. a lot. He's, he's great. One we th- met with him a few times. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's also, you've a grad from science? I didn't know that. Okay. One yeah. thing he talked about that you might also uh, relate, and you were talking about people spending their fun, fun bucks, their fun money. He talked about how it's the nice thing about running a restaurant is that people are coming together over a meal. There's a nice family environment to it. Do you ever feel that? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, it's kind of a core part of what we, how we build, um, you know, what we're, we're striving to do. I mean, it, the, the, the beauty of what we do is that we get to, of course, that that's a wonderful part of what we're, our brew pubs and we kind of refer them as experience centers do as you get an opportunity to bring people together. But we also are really fortunate because we operate, um, in the brewery space and, you know, to a degree, some of our products can leave our four walls and similarly kind of continue on that sort of idea. And, um, you know, and even, you know, with Jasper and Banff because of what they are as destinations and what they, you know, mean to people as a place where you come together. It's also something that I think is, it resonates when people are having some of our products uh, away from the, those locations that it's, it just kind of extends a bit of that sense of being in those communities and being a part of something that's, um, I think it's, it's always been important, but presently, I think with most people, that's, that's a pretty important thing is that sense of belonging and being included in something. So I like that you talked that people, you know, people can also take things away and they're enjoying it, uh, in another place. Like why was it that you decided to do a brew pub and not just like a bar? Um, well, frankly, part of it was, I mean, that, those were early days. So back then, I think at that time, there might've been six breweries in the province that's including Labatt's and a lot of the other OGs. And, um, it was partly the unique, uniqueness factor. We were really interested in it. Um, the product part of it, Sock had been living, my business partner had been living in Victoria and there was at the time more of a scene than there certainly was in Alberta. I mean, it's, it's uh, grown exponentially on the coast since then, but um, he'd been exposed to a bit. And and the other thing, frankly, it's just that, you know, when you look at Jasper, I don't know the numbers exactly right now, but back then there would have been probably around 60 restaurants in Jasper and there's 4,000 people that live there. So math is kind of challenging, right? To, to do something that stands out and you can actually build up of. So um, it was partly, we wanted to do something that was a bit different and, um, that being said, like we went into it thinking that the brewing side would be incredibly challenging. And it was, but to this day, it still is. Restaurants are very difficult businesses. Yes. <laughs> so that to this day is still one of the most challenging parts of what we do. What makes restaurants such a difficult business? Um, well, I think there's it's it's a culmination of a lot of things. When, you know, 
you're dealing with a lot of what a restaurant experience or business is, is really just human interaction service base, which is constantly something you have to like, you can't just set it and expect it to just continue on. Like it's constantly, constantly needs attention. Um, there's, you know, when you think of it from the sort of production perspective, the number of ingredients that come into a typical kitchen versus any other manufacturing facility, it's, it's super complex and, and they all spoil quite quickly too, right? And they're also very easily consumable. So particularly when you're thinking about like bar products, right? They can walk out the back door pretty easy. So there's, you know, really in a lot of ways, if you can hit the fundamentals, have good products and, you know, good atmosphere, all that kind of stuff, you're still, your core of your business, you're operating is managing your your labor and your and your your cogs as we call them but uh it can, you can a, a good restaurant can it's probably a bad pun can bleed out in you know three weeks even if they're in a great place three weeks later they can they can be in a real tough spot it's, so you're always <clears throat> like there's no there's no just like we can coast through these months or something like that you have to kind of always remain vigilant <laughs> no i definitely wouldn't say coast i mean i think there's and unfortunately as we've been able to grow and add some more layers if you will to our business um there's a lot of fundamentals you can put in play in terms of systems and stuff that really really help what they really do is they allow you to to know what's going on on a fairly high frequency basis and then so that you can focus your energy on creating better atmosphere having better service having better products all those things that actually matter so you're not just chasing your tail all the time trying to keep the uh keep the lights on i'm curious how you manage uh, like when you guys were deciding to expand and you went to different cities in Alberta, how, what's it like trying to manage different places in different cities? Well, yeah, um, it's challenging and it's the challenge of it has evolved over the, over time. So, I mean, when we we're just Banff and Jasper, it was challenging and um, it was tough because we were really by and large, we were still, really working in the business like you know we're taking shifts in the business whether it's brewing and the front house whatever else so um but as time's gone on and we've had more time to work kind of on the business versus in it i guess you could say um it's also all the cultural challenges like we have a close to i think 350 people that work with us across the whole province and so the managing and ma trying to maintain a culture and, and, and not only our culture, but each operation and each team has its own culture too. Right. So, um, geography and like physical separation is one of the most challenging things relative to culture. I think that there is to manage. Yeah, and sure. so, yeah. And that, I mean, we used to basically, like when my son was born for the first year and a half, like we basically lived out of our vehicle, like we just were on the road all the time. Right. So, which was great. I mean, we're going Banff Jasper and, Calgary and it all over it wasn't it wasn't bad by any means but um it was a lot of travel a lot of travel a lot of highway miles it's a, it's, it seems like a pretty big commitment as a whole I'm curious why you why you keep doing it what is it about this that keeps you going well it's just it's it's challenging but it's a lot of fun I feel like you know I've been exposed to so many opportunities and, and I've met so many people that are you know mentored or um you know I've been able to find ways to learn from them and stuff. So it's, I've never once felt bored. I can tell you that for sure. A um, lot of stressful periods and stuff, but I think those are more relative just <clears throat> being in business than anything else. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, there wouldn't be any one reason by any means, but uh, you know, fortunately we've been able to, even through, you know, some of the outside variables, we've been able to continue to grow and, and build. And, you know, as much as we've had more competition and more, breweries whether it's within the province or outside same time it's been really cool watching 
you know, when we opened up a Jasper, no one would touch an IPA. They didn't even know what it was. And you look where the consumer is now, like that's back of hand knowledge. And not only is it an IPA, but there's all these differentiated different substyles and everything else. And so I, we get, a, we, get, we really enjoy watching and being part of the consumer developing. And to a degree, it's a little bit different, but you know, even on the food front too, it's been, the, the market's very different, the expectations and, and what you can do, like what you can try now is like, you can put food products on a menu that you couldn't have thought of five, 10 years ago. So that part's pretty cool. Watching, watching the consumer change their expectations and try to keep up with that too is fun. Yeah. I said, I wanted to get back to micro brews and, um, the sort of talk about this, like change in, I guess, uh, beer knowledge or uh, there's definitely, I mean, even I've lived in Alberta now for 13 years. And, you know, when I first got here, it was like the, the, um, craft beer was like alley cat or something like that. And, you know, it, it's all changed. It's very different. There's a huge selection now. What happened? How did this happen? Is this like a na nationwide thing or is this just uh, Alberta? How did it happen? Well, I mean, we we're fortunate. I guess to back it up, we, we, we travel to the U S from time to time. We try to go down a couple times a year because to a degree, it's a little bit of a crystal ball of what's to come. Um, especially in some specifics, but you know, the craft beer movement has been ongoing for a while and it's been through some cycles, but, um, Alberta, I think is, has been behind. It's still, it's still kind of ironic to us that we go down to the U S to talk to some of the leading brewers down there, even look at, you know, the, some of the distilleries say in UK and Scotland and stuff like that. And they're all aware of Alberta and the agricultural side of it here. And yet most Albertans aren't even aware of that. We weren't even really aware of it till, you know, for the first few years of being in the business. But, um, I guess, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I think it's a, a lot of factors. I mean, it's broadly people are expecting or wanting to experience more. And, you know, to some degree, there's a, there's an opportunity to maybe, try and cultivate build trust you can you know get people to comfortable with what they're going to try that they're maybe out of their comfort zones but beer itself is it's just in a bit of a renaissance i mean it's after you know the the war and the and whatnot it it basically became in north america one simple style right one one flavor if you will and so i think there's kind of some pent-up opportunity that just has sort of like the, the gates have been unleashed and when you think of you know some of the knowledge that's been built around wine and and spirits wine particularly like the spectrum of what you can do with beer is crazy wide and as more and more people experience that and the different i guess i don't know it's environments but um occasions that beer can work with as food or whatever else and um so that's that's a variable and on top of that like it's when you look at the beer is fairly simple you've got the water the yeast hops and the, the barley but each of those are incredibly large variables to, to play with and keep it authentic and like yeast alone right and as we move into some of the microbial the sour programs and stuff there's just um there's been so much evolution and, and hops too like when we started we'd pay like 40 bucks for a box of hops and you could get like a dozen kinds the noble hops and maybe a couple others you know now it's like you almost need a degree to just keep up with all the different varietals and they've moved into you know many more aroma based ones and you know, that's a whole part of the business now. And um, so everything's in the malt, same thing. There's so much cool stuff you can get out there now. So there's great ingredients. And the industry, I think by and large, it's fair to say, I would even say across North America, and it's certainly even more um, true in, in small pockets, but it's very collaborative. A lot of, you know, process and technique and idea sharing. Like that's just a part of the, part of the, part of the, part of me, the culture is, is that um, collaborative sense. Yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of curious as this has developed and as this has grown, you talk about how now you have uh, a greater variety of resources you can use to brew beer. Have you guys done more experimenting along the way? And are there any that you're particularly proud of? <laughs> um, yeah, we're constantly, I mean, one of our core principles we try to stick with is we, from time to time, we need to make some bad beers because if we're not, we're not trying hard enough. Um, and thankfully the people that make the beer now, not me are way better at it. So they come up with some way better stuff. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's some of that. Like, we even have one of our best products out of Banff, our Black Pilsner. It was literally just a mistake. We had a, a lager product that we ended up literally by accident and put a bit of dark malt into it. And it's it morphed into being, like, our most popular beer in Banff after seven years or something. It's just crazy to think back at how that happened. But, um, yeah, constantly trying new stuff, um, you know, Something else we can do. We're even just putting stuff in barrels, um, seeing what flavors get out of that. They're they're constantly playing with new stuff, and and also it's important too that we have to make sure we have a culture where the team can get out and get exposed to new ideas and um, to have those to come back to try stuff. So, when did you guys start doing the distillery side? There was a big change for the industry um, when up into for the you know the bulk of our, our early days. Um, the way the licenses were structured, you could either be a brew pub or you could be a, um, a brewery. And it was mainly the differentiation was between some minimum production requirements. You had to have a certain size facility. And um, we, that all changed. It was, I think it was December 5th, I think it was 2013. I should know that, 2012. I think, yeah, 2012. And um, they got rid of it completely down to zero. So what that meant is we could start selling our beer outside of our four walls, vault walls to other restaurants, bars, and liquor stores. And at the time, you know, it seemed like kind of cool. We were pretty excited, but we didn't really understand what that would mean. Um, and at the same time, the distilling requirement went down to zero. And at the time, we'd been really excited, interested in it. But our math said that before they dropped the minimum production threshold, it equated to probably about a $25 million investment, we figured, which was way out of our league. Like, there's no chance we could have gone into the space. And so when that came down, we actually ordered a still from Germany um, before they made the rule change, hoping that they would change it, and they did, thankfully. And so we started making whiskey up in, in 2013, and um, we've been doing it since. We've never sold any. We just put it in barrels and put it in a warehouse, and it sits and it ages. Um, we do do a little bit of gins and vodkas, but the bulk of our focus is just on whiskey, which is uh, it's a long waiting game. So Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, you know, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about this industry and how um, there are some core things that you do all the time, but otherwise it seems like it's always changing and it's always evolving and you, you kind of have to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And that's where I'm really fortunate. Like SOC, especially more than anyone else in our group, that, that's really where, where I love numbers and process and everything. He loves to constantly be aware of what's going on outside of our, you know, our sphere and, and bringing that back so yeah it's a constant constant need for us to be understanding what's going on and you know what is relevant what's going to be relevant what isn't relevant all that um so yeah that's a that's a big part of our day-to-day -day, which is also what keeps it fun and yeah interesting yeah how often do you feel like the things that you learned or the skills you developed in engineering come through in this job uh <laughs> specifically it'd be tough but you know i think like certainly one of our directors jokes, actually, he's always, he's an accountant, but he jokes that if you want to confuse an engineer, put a dollar sign in front of it. But all that joking aside, I mean, we're certainly, I don't have any, uh, you know, 
training and the financial side of it, but just being comfortable with numbers, I think is actually really, really important. And, um, and, and beyond that, I think one of the best things you learn, maybe it's more broad than just engineering, but you learn, or you at least, I think, end up with the confidence to know that you can, you can find a way to solve any problem. And I know that's a kind of a real general statement, but I think it, it's, it's a very important one to have the confidence to know that, okay, facing a scenario, well, there's, there's a way to figure out a solution to this. And that's kind of, I think, what engineering teaches you the best is just that there's always a solution. You have to, you know, post-secondary, you have to learn how to learn, right? You can't, it's not like earlier years in school where you're there, you're taught more. I mean, engineering, or sorry, post-secondary, you've got to take it upon yourself to learn. Otherwise, you're not getting through. Right? Pro so. Probably the same as running a restaurant. Like, you figure it <laughs> out or you might not have that restaurant for very long. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm curious also about starting a business with friends. Uh, what are some things that, cause I'm thinking about people who are like, oh, I've got some buddies, maybe we'll start a, I'll start a brew pub or something like that. What, what would they need to know in advance? Well, I mean, we've been really fortunate and probably it's, I think really fair to say unique, um, that we've been able to get to where we are 15 years later and a still be in business together and be still be friends and good friends. Um, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> there's all kinds of challenges and, and risks that come with it. And I think um, going into it, I think there's some important pieces, A, just making sure that you all have a, an understanding of expectations of each other and also of what you want out of the business. And I mean, that's something that's been challenging for us to uh, keep a conversation around is, you know, we started, we were all 22, 23 year old guys that are, you know, having a lot of fun and we could get together for beers several times a week fast forward today and we've all got young kids and um it, we struggle to find a time to get together for a beer here and there but um you know i think i think yeah understanding expectations and we got really lucky in a lot of ways you know in terms of what skill sets we all brought to the the group and also i mean this is actually like a, a straight up thing that I, I look back to i'm really grateful for when i talk to other people that are starting small businesses now it's like quite common to hear that yeah we're gonna get a shareholder agreement put together eventually we just got to get this this and this done first and that is a it's it can it can be kind of an ugly process you've got lawyers telling you basically how your soon-to-be new business partner and friend is going to ruin your life because that's what their job is um but getting through a, you know and laying out on paper a structure early on i think is absolutely critical and it's it's not just critical for things that don't go well i think more often than not a good USA is in place for when things go really well. And so um, that's, I think, for us, a fortunate piece. We had some guidance early on that that was kind of a non-negotiable. We had to get that in place. And, um, you know, of course, that stuff evolves over time too. But um, starting with something is really important, I think, for and us at least. Just for anybody who is thinking about running a restaurant or what, what are some things <laughs> you smile <laughs> what kind of caution against the restaurant part me sorry sorry you know <laughs> <laughs> like uh you know my younger brother he is the chef and he always tells me like oh you want to lose a small fortune open a restaurant but what would for somebody who is like you know what this is my passion and i've always wanted to run a restaurant or open their own restaurant um what what would you tell them well i i mean and I think probably the same would be true for any startup business. Just make sure you know, like, try to be, you know, like, you're going to probably have a fairly good idea what you're good at, but try to understand what you're not good at and make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that are good at those other things and like doing those other things. That's a pretty important piece, I think. Um, I mean, restaurants specifically are, 
there's a reason that banks don't like them, right? There, <laughs> I think a lot of people go into them with sort of an idea of what the lifestyle that comes with it could be, and not understanding what the the business side of it can mean. So that's a challenge, I think. But. Yeah. How did you? So you know, this is the thing too, right? Like, there's a lot of romance around. Uh, I think um, the, the restaurant industry, the beer industry. Um, how did you, especially as a young person, how did you separate the business from the excitement from the uh, how how do you how would you restrain yourself from ideas that might not have been a good idea or did you just do everything and it worked? <laughs> how do we restrain it? Well, we were pretty restrained by lack of resources. You can only do so many things with limited resources and limited time. Jeez, um, oh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. That I don't know that there was anything. We one thing that we did. It was just, it was probably sort of a more victim of our circumstances and applying some things and just trying to stick to them that would you know make better beer that would be that would be one that we learned and you know just there's some fundamentals in restaurants whether it's you know the cliches of clean bathrooms or just consistency is and a lot of startup restaurants is very difficult to achieve it sounds easy but it is a really big hill to climb mm. one thing i always ask us is um if there's ever been a time in their career where they felt stuck and i'm imagining you've never felt stuck because you've just always been going but is that a, is that a case for you stuck um i don't know that i'd use that word per se but there's a lot of times where it was like and again it's nothing specific i don't think to what we do but just like those many 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 sweaty you know wake up middle of the night dripping wet just stressed right like bought of that for sure um and i think a lot of times more than anything it was when you know in business you're constantly facing this dynamic of like adding a bit more risk to create more opportunity and you know staying more conservative not taking risk and whenever you're taking risk typically you're going out of your comfort zone right which leads to stress and so uh, on top of that too there was a few times i think that we can look back and say um for one i would say we maybe didn't have enough mentorship around us which is like so so important because let alone like the experience and, and advice and, and guidance you can get but just perspective sometimes is incredibly valuable um so i think you know i think that was looking back probably a big big part of the times i would maybe associate close to feeling stuck but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean how do you deal with the stress of, of all this kind of oh well, i'm lucky i've got a my wife's amazing but you know it's you also got to try and keep that separate to a degree i i can't say i'm great at it <laughs> i mean it's something that and i think it's you know it, it's actually an interesting topic that i think more and more um has to be brought into all spheres but especially in the business sphere and i mean um we've got our the alberta conference for brewers coming up in, in april and red deer and one of the topics this year is just on mental health and i honestly think it's something that i don't know i think when i look back to things i've been exposed to i think it's something that probably requires a bit more attention than it probably gets and it's um it's also something too that you can when you you look at successful people if you're fortunate enough to have them around you and you look at what one of the variables is it's usually that they figure out a way to find balance and you know i mean for me certainly it's you know having kids and my wife and stuff is a really important piece of it but yeah it's 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 just i think it's something that's a constant struggle for some people find other ways to deal with it whether it's you know exercise and there's other unhealthy ways to deal with it too <laughs> but yeah i think it just requires constant attention to be honest and yeah all right so it's time for the lightning round which is <laughs> 
brought to you by our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Um, so these are just, I'm going to ask you some questions and you just go with whatever comes okay. to your mind. All right. Have you ever been fired? No. No. How, how many other jobs have you had? Um, really, I guess only four, well, three others, I guess. Yeah, I worked with Parks Canada uh, and worked with a couple other restaurants. So, yeah. Hmm. So only one not restaurant job. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of fascinating. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know. I don't know. I what think I just wanted to stay in Jasper. <laughs> what did you What did you want to do when you started university? Um, I really wanted to find something where I could be in a leadership role and, and you know, hopefully relative to, to business in some way. What's something that you wish people knew about your job or this world? I wish people knew. Oh man, that's a tough one. How about I wish people knew how important Alberta is to the craft scene because of our agriculture here. I think I, it's important. I had no idea, to be <laughs> honest. Um, so, and it's like the barley. Is that what it is? It's yeah. We grow well between. I mean, lots in Saskatchewan too, but we are major player. Um, what advice do you have for someone who feels like they're stuck in their career or in a rut? I don't like giving advice because I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just um, yeah, try and understand what what makes you happy, and then extrapolate from there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good advice. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't in this job? I'd probably be. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, well, I should. Most likely, probably laid off from the energy sector. Right? <laughs> That's most likely, <laughs> starting a new, starting a yeah, roof maybe, after yeah, your yeah, engineering maybe. career. Uh, what's your favorite thing about this job? Just it's it's fun. Like we we are in a fun environment. Uh, if you could go back in time and talk to you when you when you first started out, what what do you think? Some advice you'd give yourself? <laughs> Hire a CFO early. That would be. The, I really wish we would have done that. It's always one of those things like, oh, can't afford it, but you can't afford not to, and it pays for itself. They, they, yeah. What, what would it, what would a CFO have brought to? Oh, just visibility and and confidence and understanding of you know where you're at and where you can grow to. Yeah, it's, working with a professional CFO has been one of the most eye-opening experiences. I thought I knew numbers. No, I really know I don't know numbers. And yeah. Uh, and finally. In respect to your education and then your career path, is there anything you wish you had done differently? Or are you pretty happy how it went? Well, <laughs> I tell myself this all the time, but I, I think I could do a better job of, you know, enjoying the here versus always worried about tomorrow is uh, that's a personal challenge I face. So yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the journey, but more than I on the destination, whatever that may be. So that sounds like a cliche, but. <laughs> hey, it's a podcast. We're full of them. <laughs> Brad, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Big thanks to our guest, Brett Ireland, for hosting Chloe and I at Last Best and talking to us about his career journey. As always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. That's uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool, no matter where you are in your career journey. That's it for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. Thanks for listening.